You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. It's actually a wonderful, incredible privilege that we have to be a part of that democratic process, and we should be thankful for that. But did you know in the last election, of the 2.4 million voters registered to vote, 600,000 chose not to vote? That's 25% of our nation that said, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to put a vote. You know, that 25% could be quite significant, quite significant. If, and, and what I would say today is that the only wasted vote is the vote that we don't vote. <laughs> if we prayerfully consider and go before God what God's laid on our heart to vote for, then that is a vote well spent, well used. So this morning, I want to look at what it means as Christians to be committed to the law of the land, but also wholeheartedly committed to the law of God. And I, w- I want to thank Matt Dodd, one of our local leaders, who's helped me uh, in the preparation of this message. Uh, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Awesome. Let's just open in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, to be in a democratic society, Lord, where we, we can cast a vote. Lord, that we can put our, put our name forward and say, this is what I believe and this is, this is what I'm hoping for. And Lord, I pray as we go into this election that we would be prayerful. Lord, that, that our hearts would be turned towards you, that you would lead and guide us as, as we pray for our nation, pray for our government. Lord, let us be people of prayer, that we would pray for our current government, but also pray for the government that, that, that will come into power, Lord, whatever that looks like. Lord, even if it's not something we want or we would hope for, Lord, let our prayers be raised to you as honor to you and the, and the authority that's been established over us in Jesus' name. Amen. What I don't want to do today is talk necessarily about social or economic convictions or how or where our taxes should be spent. Um, because if, if we were to divide and, and, and have a conversation and talk about it, we have it. We've got teachers and doctors and nurses and business people. Uh, we've got people in all walks of life who, who would believe biblically and morally that things should be spent in a particular different way, right? We've all got various opinions on that. I don't want to go there today. We, we've all got very different moral and biblical convictions as to what should be. See, when, when the Pharisees tried to, to trap Jesus, they, they said, should the disciples pay taxes? You know, an interesting question. You know, do your disciples pay taxes? He took a coin and he said, whose face is uh, inscribed on that coin? It's Caesar's face. They said, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And it's really important that we understand that that as, as, as followers of Jesus, we are committed to live under the law of the land. And that we have a, we have a commitment to, to, to make sure that we live according to the way we are being led. And God calls us to work hard, to be fruitful, to be contributing members of our society, to care for people, to care for our planet with the stewardship that we've been asked upon us. And whether we're governed by a socialist or capitalist, left or right-leaning, it should have no bearing on the life or fruitfulness of a believer. We should be living according to the way God leads us. But what God has given us is, I'm going to talk about four things today that God has given us in order to give us a strong and a healthy nation. And if we would commit our prayer over the next three weeks as we enter these elections, pray for the people that are going to be leading us, those that will be will form the, the government in, in, in a few weeks' time on the I think 14th of October, would we consider our prayers that we would come into this election more prayerful than ever before? The first thing that God has given us to build strong and healthy nation 
is our conscience. He's given us our conscience. Romans 2.15, it says, They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. You know, the conscience is God's warning system built into the hearts of man. There's the moral law of God that he's, he's put within us that we would understand. And if you talk to most people, I would say the majority of people, we would know that it's wrong to murder someone, right? Yes, it's a law of the land, but it's also written into the moral code of our hearts. It's, it's, it's within our conscience. We know that is wrong. But what happens if, if government continually changes God's moral law and shifts and, and, and waters it down and changes it and adjusts it? And, and what happens is that our consciences become seared and we no longer hear that anymore. And that our conscience is no longer responding as it should. And we, before we even realize it, we find ourselves committing crimes against God's very heart and His nature. And if our consciences are seared, we no longer listen to that moral code that God has put within our hearts. So as we pray coming into this election around the conscience, pray for your own conscience that you would truly hear God's voice for humanity the way we would live and love. But also pray for those that are standing in this position of authority, that they would, they would have their consciences cleansed by God, that they would walk according to God's ways and God's morals. The second thing that God has given us is, is the family. He's given us the family. Family is God's creation. We, we've talked about it the last few weeks and um, the, the order of the family and We've seen that when a family unit is strong and living according to biblical standards, that our communities are stronger and healthier. See, when I embrace my role as a husband to, to love my wife, to lay down my life for her, when she embraces her role as a, as a wife to submit to my leadership as, as I would submit to Christ, as, 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 I, as I, as a father, make a commitment to teach my children the Word of God, as my children choose to honor me and honor us as parents, that is a strong brick in the building of a great community. It's not easy. It's not easy in, in, the, in the nature of a family to get this right. But that's who we are. We, we, that, we're, we're as open and exposed as anywhere in our family unit. And that's where a lot of the work has to take place within our hearts and our relationship with each other. And the, family, the roles in the family, as we've talked about, are not to oppress. They're not to make one bigger or better or greater than the other. It's an order that God has established, which is a trustworthy order, an order that we can trust. And it's modeled in the Trinitarian nature of God. God is Father, Son, Spirit. You notice Jesus' language was, I only do what I see the Father doing. There was a submission to God the Father, even within the triune nature of God. So I thought about it. What if my vote was the only vote that could elect the government? Around When you think family, would family be supported? Would family be valued as God defines and determines family? What about life? What about marriage? What would that look like? Would it be in a good place or would it be potentially 
under threat. Let me ask, where does the power lie? Where is the authority? Is it in the hands of the children or is it in the hands of the parents? You know, I, I think there's a, there's a shift towards making children as the ones that make the decision in the household. And I don't think that's good. It's not right. It's not biblical. I saw a video of a three or four-year-old child with $10,000 slapped down on the table, cash, hard cash, and two Oreo cookies. You know what the child took? Two Oreo cookies. There's a reason we don't let our children make big decisions, life-altering decisions. Oreo cookies or $10,000. Some of the kids in here go, Oreo sounds great. <laughs> but let's be honest, we are, we are seeing in our world, not just in our own nation, power given to children to make decisions they should not be making. There's a reason why I don't let my children make all the decisions in our house. Now, as a parent, obviously, we begin to release decision-making to our children, right? We have to help them make decisions. Sometimes we give them options, but there's a whole lot of options we take off the table. We make those decisions for them so that they will learn and grow. One day their brain will mature. We hope and pray. (laughs) And then they will be able to make good decisions when they are parents and adults. When my boy is is a man and he's a husband and a father, I hope I've trained him right so that he would treat his family in a good way too. The third thing we see is the government. God has given us the government for the health and strength of our nation. The church, which I want to talk about last of all, is designed to spiritually guide God's people. But the government is given to us to protect his people from tyranny. Let's read in Romans 13, 1 to 2. Obey the government for God. Listen, listen. God is the one who has put it there. There is no government anywhere that God has not placed in power. Now, I know this is hard sometimes for us to understand. But for whatever reason, in the bigger picture that we do not see, God has said, this government has been established by me. And I put my my hand on that. Would you submit to that? There is no government anywhere that God has not placed in power. So those who refuse to obey the laws of the land are refusing to obey God, and punishment will follow. That's a a strong rebuke there. If we do not, go and and, and choose to submit. Now, I'm getting to the the moral, the God, you know, God's laws and man's laws in a moment. But Paul the Apostle tells us first to submit to the authorities above us. Like a child will submit to parents, a child to their teacher, a teacher to a principal, a principal to a board of trustees, a a storeman, manager, CEO. We're all under positions of authority, government officials. We, We might find ourselves in this place of submission because God wants them to be in that place of position and authority over us. See, submission is a sign of respect and commitment to a process from God and, and, and a trust that says, this person has been put in my life as a position of authority for this moment and for this reason. So, a few questions. I know we're probably ticking off a few here. What if I don't like them? <laughs> what if I disagree with their ideas and values? 
What if what they're doing is evil and against God's laws? Can I tell you the first one's easier to answer than the last two? But the first one, what if I don't like them? doesn't matter. Can I suggest we probably complain a little bit too much about those in authority over us? Someone we don't like, we don't like the way they behave, we don't like the way they lead us, we don't like the decisions they make, and we're really good at just grumbling and complaining, aren't we? <laughs> Thank you, someone being really honest. And we do, and, and what, it, what it does is when we open our mouths and we speak those words out, our words have power. And, and, and we actually build a barrier between that person and their authority over our life. And, and we complain and, and, and about them and we, and we have issues about them. And, and so we no longer trust their authority over us. What if we, here's a thought, I know it's pretty radical, but what if we prayed more than we complained? Whoo! Imagine that. Imagine if we're feeling about something. And so we go find 10 people and go, can we pray? Or do we just prefer to find those 10 people and tell them all why <laughs> that person had authority over us? We don't like them. Come on, let's make a decision that we'll be prayerful in this. But what happens when there is a, a straying from God's ideals, God's morals, God's values? That's where it gets difficult. And when you look at the obliteration of family, the God's, God's values and his morals, we see that in our society. There is an attack on the family unit. There is an, there is an attack on the godly values that, that this nation was built upon. But, but it's no surprise, we shouldn't be surprised, Romans 1.32 says, Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. You know, I, I heard someone say, you know, the, 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 the moral ceiling becomes the floor of the next generation. So, so the things we would never think we would ever do, as, as a ceiling of, oh, we, we, we might do this and this and this, but we won't do this. That ceiling becomes the floor that the next generation builds upon. It's quite frightening, isn't it? But when you look back, you just look back over the last 30 to 40 years at what has happened in our society with all governments. It's, it's, like, it's, it's not one government in particular. It's, it's, it's all governments just saying, we don't think that matters anymore. Those things that God holds up as value, many are saying, we don't care. So we've got to be prayerful, friends. We have to pray. Pray for those in power. Pray for those set to lead our nation. Pray that God would do a work in their hearts. So what do we do when we, things, when we see things taking place that go against God's laws? Well, we have to respond like Daniel. See, Daniel... In the Old Testament, he heard about a law that said he was no longer allowed to pray to God, but only pray to the king. What did Daniel do? He went and broke the law. <laughs> he went and broke the law. Because in order to, to break that law, he would have to break, or to, to follow that law, he would have to break God's law. In order to keep the laws of the land, Daniel would have to break the laws of God. And, and I think sometimes we can, we can get caught up on, oh, this is against God, but, but is it? Sometimes submitting to authority is just a matter of preference. What I think is right, it's not always. I don't know that we always get it biblically right there. 
I'm just saying a very broad statement there. I think sometimes we can say this is an evil government and I shouldn't submit or, or, or whatever it is. Heard it for decades. But sometimes actually we just have to submit to that authority. But what happens when it steps outside of what God says is right? Well, we get to have a vote. When there's referendums, please vote. When there's an opportunity to stand, please stand. And then continue to pray. Because decisions will be made and God will still be God and he will execute judgment as he needs to and when he needs to. But we must choose to submit. What about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? They were told that, that they, when the music plays, they had to bow down to the statue that was, was set up. But in order to do that, they would be breaking the first three commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven idol or image. You shall honor the Lord's name. Do not misuse the Lord's name. They would have broken all three of those, and so they chose to stand. Now, sometimes when we stand, there's a consequence with our stand, and that's okay. Sometimes when we stand and we say that's wrong, we're standing for righteousness. And we might find ourselves in the fire, and that's okay. So what happens when God's laws are compromised? We stand on the truth of God's law. But then we also submit with authority. As I said, I, I found myself complaining. Like about 10 years ago, I, I, was, I was just complaining lots, lots and lots about people and leadership. And, and I, just, I just felt that challenge. Come on, would you pray, Mike, rather than complaining? Just pray more rather than complaining. You know, I mean, I could do something about it. I could stand for, for politics and do that. I, I could, but I don't feel that's my calling. I feel like I'm doing what I'm called to do right now. Or I could pray and I could support and get behind and, and do what I can. So we need to pray. We need to pray for our current government. We need to pray for the government that will be chosen, whatever that looks like. In this next election, as the team come this morning, I want to close with this because you know sometimes people have said, "Ah, oh, just it just feels doom and gloom coming around this election." It's like, ah, I don't know what to do. Had a number of these conversations. Is there hope? Yes, <laughs> there is incredible hope. Do you know why there's hope? Because the fourth thing that God gave us in order to build strong and a healthy nation is the church. The church, the hope of the world. The church is such a powerful force to be reckoned with. And when we live like Jesus lived and we, and we pray like Jesus asked us to pray, the church is a powerful force on this earth. I love this in Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to be salt and light to be a difference in a world that pursues unholy desires. Friends, when it comes to politics and government and church, we shouldn't hide. We should actually get involved. It shouldn't be separated. We should work in partnership. We should work with, work for, 
The moral light of God should be shining bright for people to see. And I'm not suggesting we need Christian parties, but I do believe we need Christians in politics. We need Christians in, 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 in all of the parties. Imagine if every party represented had a spirit-filled believer that stands for the moral righteous causes of God. And when those conversations are happening around the table, imagine when that voice comes out. Because God's laws make sense. God's laws make sense because it cares for people and it values life and it values family and it values the things that build and strengthen a nation. So I want to speak to some of our young people here today that maybe there's something inside of you that says, you know what? I'd love to make a difference in our nation. Go do that. Go study. Go pursue that. Live your life on fire for Jesus and go and make a difference in our nation because we need you to do that. We ran a political night, meet the parties a few couple of weeks ago. That is so far outside my comfort zone, like you wouldn't believe. I didn't want to do it. No one else wanted to do it. Everyone else passed it right back to me. But I'm so glad I did. Now, I, I know even I talked with, with some people after, it's like, you didn't ask the right questions. They're like, well, maybe not your question. And that's fine, I get that. There, there's a, a thousand questions we could ask people that we, you know, we're not happy with or whatever it is. But can I tell you, I, I personally met seven of the candidates. They were all there. Before and after, there was conversation going on, relationship being built, relationship being formed. Guess what's going to happen? We're now... New MP is put in place because obviously Dr. Emily is, is no longer standing. So we will have a new MP overseeing our nation and over our region. And I want to say thank you to, to Dr. Emily. Who would want to lead in the last three years? Seriously. <laughs> what a tough gig that is. There's so much put on the line in your family and your personal. But, but you know, we will have somebody who will be leading us, leading our city a government official that we are going to choose to submit to. Guess who's giving them a call? Guess who's going to be on the phone saying, we prayed for you and we will continue to pray for you. And you know what? When you find issues with families in our city, would you give us a call? Because we think that we've got some good ideas that could maybe help our city. And the combined churches across Whangarei, we had nine churches represented on that night. Nine pastors standing there alongside me saying, we, we, we want to be a part of the change. Come on, we don't hide our light under a bowl. We, we just let it shine bright. And I really believe that if we would engage prayerfully, like, like, like really prayerfully, these next three weeks, say, God, what's on your heart for this nation? What do you want to do? How do I pray? How do I vote? Would you ask these three, four things? Would you prayerfully consider a vote that upholds our godly conscience? We talked about the conscience. Would you prayerfully consider a vote that empowers the family? Would you prayerfully consider a vote that empowers the law to protect us from tyranny? Would you prayerfully consider a vote that upholds the godly values we hold within the church? You know, the temptation is... To, to, to receive the sweet treats 
to vote according to what we might personally get. You know, I love about Daniel is that he didn't eat from the king's table. It, it wasn't there to, to eat the food that would bring loyalty. He said, actually, no, I, I want to stand for the things of God, of righteousness. And I know the temptation is what's in it for me, that my vote, and, and don't worry, I've looked, at, I've looked at all the political parties and where am I going to be better off? Yeah? Because you can look at all of those policies and you can go, actually, for my family, we're going to be $50 better off with $30 or, 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 or this in my business. And, and it's really easy for us to vote that way. And it's okay to vote that way. But if that's the only reason we're voting, then I don't think we've quite got there. But the moral fabric of our nation, would we prayerfully consider that as well as we make our vote? What I'd like to do in a moment is we're actually going to pray the parliamentary prayer that was taken out of parliament. But did you know that in 1854, the very first act of parliament was to establish that prayer? That was the very first act of parliament was to say, we need help guiding this nation. You know, on the political night, I, we had a paddle of you know, yes and no. You could answer yes and no. A couple of cook fire questions. Does pineapple belong on a pizza? Yes or no. Will the All Blacks win the World Cup? Yes or no. And then they got a little bit harder from there, obviously. We talked about, you know, does conception, be, you know, or does life begin at conception? Yes or no. You know, when I ask the question, should the prayer prayed to the God we sing about in our national anthem be brought back into Parliament? Six out of seven said yes. Six out of seven said yes. There is hope. And our hope is only found in Jesus Christ. So what I'd love us to do, if, if you wouldn't mind, is if you're able, would you stand? The, the, the words are going to come up on the screen. We've obviously changed it. It was written for the Queen. We, we're now praying it because we have a King who is leading over us. And then if you'd just remain standing, I would love to then just pray a prayer over all of us. But uh, we'll, we'll see how we go. How's that? All right. Yeah, let's, let's give it a go. <laughs> let's pray it together. Almighty God, humbly acknowledging our need for Thy guidance in all things and laying aside all private and personal interests, we beseech Thee to grant that we may conduct the affairs of this house and of our country to the glory of Thy holy name the maintenance of true religion and justice, the honour of the King and the public welfare, peace and tranquility of New Zealand through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on, give God some praise in this place. Would you just lift your hands just for a moment? Heavenly Father, it is, it's a challenging time we live in. Lord, we look at things that are happening in our world and we say no the very fabric of, of family is being threatened the identity God that you've, you've created male and female God so much is up there so many people don't know what to believe or how to understand it but Father I pray that as we go into these next few weeks Lord that our conversations would lead to prayer not to complaining that we would, we would say come on let's pray about that if that is an issue, let's bring that to God in prayer. You, you say in your word, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, present your requests to God. 
And so God, we want to do that over this time. That Lord, we would consider voting, Lord, according to the things that you value. That Lord, our conscience, we would, we would look to our conscience and say, God, does that line up with your heart and the moral fabric of your law? God, I thank you for the privilege to vote. And God, we will make a commitment that Lord, leading up to and beyond this election, that we will pray for the governing authorities above us. And so Lord, right now, for each person that is standing, Lord, those that have put their life on the line, their reputation, their family, all of the the pressures of standing in in a position where most people don't like them, and only some might. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each individual, every candidate, Lord, that they would have an encounter with you, that your word would, would find its way into their hearts, that they would receive leadership from you, that we would pray, we would honor, we would submit, and we would stand for righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.